Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here as always with Drew Dinsick. Happy New Year, Drew. Today we're going to talk about a couple of awards markets. One is done in MVP, the other is not done. Well, supposedly not done in Comeback Player of the Year. We're going to talk about Texans Colts, Jags Titans, and Bills Dolphins, the three biggest games in the AFC. But first, uh, week 17, uh, we haven't spoken on the pod in a few days. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway out of uh, the week? Well, uh, without question, the biggest winner in terms of championship equity was the Dallas Cowboys, and they did not earn it <laughs> because that was gross. Uh, the coaching performance that Mike McCarthy put out there, like I guess I've lost faith that there are football gods like because you, know, you don't you don't do what McCarthy did and then still somehow get away with a win like that um the uh refereeing that botched the end had sucked all the air out of the room and kind of has left him unaccountable for what was one of the worst coach end of game coaching decisions sequences I've seen in a while especially in that high leverage of a game and now not only are they the two seed potentially with the opportunity to host two playoff games instead of being on the road for three. Uh, this is amazing, amazing upswing for Cowboys futures for Cowboys uh, championship hopes. And uh, yes, you still have to deal with the fact that Mike McCarthy is going to do some in-game shenanigans in the playoffs. You can almost count on it. Um, but uh, that was the biggest uh, takeaway from week 17. Uh, you mentioned it. Lamar Jackson sewing up the MVP with his performance against the Dolphins was an obvious takeaway. Um, and honestly, like the other big winners were the Ravens because now they have the buy and they can get right for uh, a playoff uh, field that all of a sudden is kind of weird and crowded and complicated in the AFC. So um, that gives them huge uh, upswing because they're not going to have to play a wild card game. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I think, you know, big biggest winners of the week, uh, you know, Cowboys won, Ravens two, and then second tier Bills. Um, the fact that the Bills can win and get the two seed um wow what a difference a month makes man this team was six and six everyone was throwing dirt on them uh yeah they might be your two seed just like we all kind of had written in the preseason so yeah uh those are that that's kind of the landscape as i see it and i think um you know people have kind of covered that this is still the most wide open playoff field this late in the season that we've ever had uh some of that is because there are seven teams but uh you know there's just general parity across the entire middle class of the nfl right now which means teams like the steelers are not eliminated <laughs> even though they very much should be uh teams like the vikings and the bears somehow not eliminated even though they very much should be so yeah it's a it's a, a fascinating uh kind of week 18 unfolding with kind of more at stake than we usually have this week yeah, I think with the Bills, uh, it's an incredible delta where if they win, if they beat the Dolphins, I think they're indisputably the third favorite for the Super Bowl behind uh, San Francisco and Baltimore. And if they lose, then they're likely out of the playoffs entirely. Um, so you go from third favorite to dead um, to the 15th team in the NFL. You go from 3 to 15 potentially off of one Tyree kill bomb uh, on Sunday night. Who knows? But I agree. They're a big winner because they can get the two seed. It was always going to be mm -hmm. difficult if they were doing it from the six. But now, uh, I mean, their defense is is healthier now, which I think is the key. Yeah. But their offense hasn't looked good mm -hmm. since the Philadelphia game. And that's a little sneaky thing that uh, Josh Allen, again, hasn't been 
Yeah, I mean, he hasn't really had to do anything since the Kansas City game, and he wasn't great in that game after being uh, superhuman in Philadelphia. So, I mean, that's just one thing to watch. Now, I think yeah. they're likely going to beat the Dolphins, and we'll get to that game, but uh, I'm a little concerned about the Bills' offense because that Patriots' pass day isn't outstanding, and the Bills, I mean, at one point, Allen was like one of 11 or something. <laughs> like, it was insane. Uh, yeah. And at that point, I, I burned all my Josh Allen MVP tickets and then burned them doubly uh, as Lamar Jackson completed his masterpiece. Uh, with that Dallas-Detroit game, someone who's holding a lot of Stefanski coach of the year and also uh, to Steichen and some Ryans, that last sequence is the most terrified I've been in a game for a long time <laughs> because I came into that game thinking that the only way that Dan Campbell can still coach the year, a win isn't enough, he has to win it by coming back and going for two with 23 <laughs> seconds left to beat the Cowboys in prime time uh, and take the Lions to 12 and four and yeah. the, the coronation of the greatest season, yeah. regular season in Lions history. And when Decker caught that pass, I said, my, I had no, no feelings, no emotions. I was just cold and then uh, physically cold, emotionally cold, spiritually cold. And then when Parsons jumped off sides, because I'm also against Parsons yeah. in the defensive player of the year market, where at that point I'm like, <laughs> Give, you can have DPOY passes. Give me a DPOY moment. Sack Goff. <laughs> uh, he jumps off sides like, oh, my God. And then Campbell's still going for it. What a ridiculous sequence. That has to be yeah. the most memorable sequence of the year, for better or worse. I would say so, too. And, yeah, it's a shame that it got uh, kind of smushed by the roughing. Uh, but you know, um, yeah, no, that all, you know, all of those feelings were very, very, uh, similarly felt. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a big old bet on Cowboys to cover in that game. And I'm like watching that fly final, uh, uh, watching, I'm watching McCarthy elect to leave Dan Campbell an extra 40 seconds. Cause you never know. You never know. We'll just leave him an extra 40. Uh, and then watching that drive, it was like Cowboys can't make a stop. This is not good. This is not good. Uh, and uh, yeah, ultimately that uh, um, <clears throat> that two point conversion would have been uh, would have been wild, and it would have won man the coach of the year. Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, I don't understand why these teams play so soft on defensively on these final drives down the field. It's like every single time, it's like teams are playing soft against Jalen Hurts for a month straight. It's like, can you just play a real defense? Can you play just your normal defense when the team couldn't move the ball against you at all for sure. a long stretch outside sure. of running the ball, which they no longer can do because they have to throw? Um, that was that was incredible. Especially because if you, if you get burned by a big play, guess what? There's still time left. Yes. <laughs> like, well, like tying into that, the fact that again, and McDermott is the king of this, but McCarthy did it as well. Like calling timeout for the two point, like you need that timeout, Mike. You need that timeout because if they score <laughs> and you're getting the ball back and you need to score, and all of a sudden, like God, he did that. such a high threshold yeah. to clear. If you think if you see something in the formation where you just know that it's like, oh, it's 100%, that team is going to score if we maintain this, okay, you call it in that situation. Anything short of that, the timeout is more precious. Like yeah. the timeout, you, you're better off, I think, forfeiting 5% of the play working or not working and just retaining the timeout at that point because it's so valuable when you have 23 seconds and you need to get down the field. And also particularly because you've got Brandon Aubrey uh, who was touched by God and can seemingly make 70 <laughs> yardage. Like you just need all that you can get to get him in position. Uh, I couldn't believe that. Uh, it was very frustrating. So Cowboys, yes. 
Yes, uh, that 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 ending was uh, was something. I got to go back and make a list of the five dumbest things that McCarthy did at the end of that game because it was something. But yeah, take taking the time out. My goodness, Mike. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, sorry, look, I don't think we really need to talk about MVP. That is done. Lamar Jackson uh, had his masterpiece, probably the best game of his career, at least the best since the last time he completely eviscerated the Miami Dolphins in the first game of his 2019 MVP season. Some nice. A nice arc there for Lamar between his two MVPs. So let's talk about the award, which I think is uh, the most, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but it's certainly the most in dispute according to how it is being priced in the market. And that is comeback player of the year. Uh, as we speak at one book, Damar Hamlin is minus 130. Joe Flacco is plus 100. Baker Mayfield is 13 to 1. Uh, Matthew Stafford, who I don't think is going to be winning, he is 66 to 1. Just in the past couple of hours uh, at Sunbooks, there has been a ton of Hamlin steam where now he's into minus 170 at a couple of places. Uh, I think this is probably the strangest award to handicap that I can remember anyway. And I think just in terms of the process about how you go about it, I think there's two elements. One is just your own kind of subjective take based on being someone who absorbs a lot of NFL content, who has a familiarity with what resonates with voters and then your own sense of what voters will gravitate towards uh, between the candidates. And then the second element is a bit more objective in terms of what is actually out there and publicly or privately to some out there about the actual voter sentiments around what people think about these candidates. So uh, I have my own thoughts about this award, but what do you think? Do you think there are bets in this market at the moment and how do you handicap it? I would have lost a bet that this was the most up for grabs award <laughs> this week. Uh, I cannot believe that basically everything else is now mega chalk and this one is still somehow some way not uh, not a done deal. Um, I don't think voters put a ton of thought into this. I don't think that there is a lot of people who are lo- losing sleep, who are breaking down film of, of, should I give it to a guy who's done something I haven't seen in a while? Or should we just give it to the guy who had the most severe ailment that has ever befallen an NFL player on the field and came back and played professional football again. And I think the latter is so easy as far as a narrative and so easy as far as, uh, you know, kind of like I wrote this column in August. (laughs) We could just fill in a couple of details and hit submit and, uh, you know, kind of move on to all pro, uh, you know, all pro off-ball linebacker <laughs> like like there's there's definitely more important things for a lot of these people to be thinking about and doing than you know kind of really splitting hairs over this particular award and i, I you know we made jokes about this uh, uh on this podcast i believe out loud not behind the scenes but like hamlin's gonna be a finalist <laughs> he's going to the award ceremony like I'm not really ready to see him be announced as a finalist and then him give the award to Joe Flacco. Like it's very cool that Flacco is performing as well as he is having gotten off of his couch, but it's not a comeback story that I think people are dying to write. And honestly, like, you know, he's, he should, and everyone in the Browns universe should be focusing much more on what Stefanski has done and focusing much more on trying to make a playoff run because of all the teams that are in those wild card slots right now, the, 
Browns are clearly have one of the more dynamic units with that defense. So they are definitely not out of the mix to kind of continue continue this magical run. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Hamlin is the right bet. I know the places you're talking about where it took some steam. I was surprised to see those markets there. Uh, and uh, I may have bet some because I think it should be lower, like minus 200. Um, and I don't think Flacco in the, in the uh, plus 100 range is going to get there now. Like if you got an enormous price on Flacco and you're super excited about it, like yeah, you made a fun bet because I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. But like you probably could have put that money to work just betting the Browns last month. So a couple of things. One, a lot of people have issues with the fact that you know Hamlin has only played 17 snaps and he's not a meaningful part of the Bills' uh, football. Uh, quest this season to make the playoffs or whatever. Like he's not a big part of the team, just purely in a football sense in terms of on the field. But this award is not by definition a performance award. It is by literal definition, according to NFL.com, it is given to a player who shows perseverance in overcoming adversity. That is the definition of the award. It is not about having the best PFF grade. It is very, uh, I guess, amorphous and vague and gives people room to vote for whatever they want and whatever Mm -hmm. resonates with them. Mm-hmm. A couple other things. One, I think as much as some people will have an issue, and some Hamlin's not going to win unanimously or anything. Some people are definitely not going to vote for Hamlin. But people also have an issue, not just with you know Hamlin not playing that much. People have an issue with people not coming back from anything outside of being bad. 22 people out of 50 didn't vote for Geno Smith first on their ballots last year. They voted for McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and Nick Gates, guys who are coming back from actual injuries. Brandon Graham got a couple of votes. So that's yeah. one thing. And then two, I think there's this idea that Flacco, who has played five games, is live because Hamlin has played so little as well. I think that's a fallacy because everything that I have read from uh, voters is that Flacco is not being compared to Hamlin because you cannot compare anyone to Hamlin. He exists in his own sphere. He's his own case. Flacco is being compared to Baker Mayfield principally and then also to attack Vailoa and Matthew Stafford, guys who have played the full season while Flacco has played five games and has 13 touchdowns and eight interceptions and a ton of passing yards. And he is a cult phenomenon. But I think that people are conflating amazing story with wins comeback player of the year. And that is a really long, uh, I just can't make that connection based on everything that is out there at the moment. To me, Flacco, and people have made this comparison, but Flacco comeback player of the year to me is very Brock Purdy offensive rookie of the year last yeah. year, where Purdy sure. played, well, he played six games and he went 6-0 and and he was Mr. Irrelevant and he was a cult phenomenon uh, and he didn't even he didn't have a prayer in the final vote because people just couldn't get past the games played. Now with Hamlin... I think he can get past the games played because he came back from the dead. It's a bit different. It's not a performance sure. aspect. So sure. I think with – and bringing this back to the pricing and everything, I think minus 130 on Hamlin based on everything that is out there is uh, frankly an insane price. Yeah, I think that if anyone has the ceiling to beat him, I think it would be Baker Mayfield in terms of clinching the division, going back into Carolina, the team that released him last year, beating them – He has been statistically about the 10th best quarterback in the NFL. He has an arc where he was on four teams in 12 months. He was the number one pick. He led the Browns to the playoffs. He has a proper comeback arc. And if people, if there are enough people who want to go away from Hamlin, I think that Mayfield could potentially get there. I just don't see it for Flacco because if you vote for the story, 
you vote for Hamlin. And if you vote for on-field production, you vote for Mayfield. And now if Mayfield loses to Carolina, it gets a little bit more chaotic. But then I don't think it's like every Mayfield voter flips to Flacco. (laughs) Some of them will flip to Hamlin. Some will flip to Stafford too. Some will definitely flip to Flacco. But you add all that up and I just don't see how Flacco is remotely close to his current price. And the last thing I'll say on this is that I've reached out in my own network of people who are not necessarily voters, but voter types. Um, people I know who are like beat writers for teams who work sure. in television on like NFL pregame shows. Sure. I just asked them and presented without bias, like who's your top three for comeback player of the year? And I would say that 90% of people have said DeMar Hamlin and then 10% have said Mayfield. And every single one of them has had Mayfield over Flacco because Mayfield has played the full season. So look, that doesn't mean that Hamlin's going to win the award, but I just think that that is it was it was interesting to me that there was that much consensus among people who are voter types relative to the current market price. Yeah. No, I think um, I think that's well said. <clears throat> the closest analog we have in recent history was the Alex Smith year. Um, literally, Alex Smith's leg broke, and that day, everyone who watched football and understands the game was like, "Well, that's the last time he'll ever play." Like, there's is there's no coming back from that. Uh, and he did come back. He started six games for the uh, Washington football team. He was not very good. Uh, six touchdowns, eight picks, you know, pretty, pretty lousy game by game type of numbers. Um, he, he got 49 votes because people were amazed that he took, came back to the football field. Like it was leg amputation on the table for him. And now he is back playing quarterback. This is crazy. And the same thing is true of Damar Hamlin. It was life or death for him, uh, for him. And, uh, he came back and played football and, uh, I don't know if he's going to get 49 out of 50 votes, but, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty clean win from him. And, uh, by the way, the one person who voted for uh, a quarterback that was not Alex Smith, uh, that year voted for Ben Roethlisberger, who started 15 games, um, um, so there's always some weirdness uh, yeah. and there are people who don't want unanimous winners. <laughs> and so they find reasons to vote for other people. Uh, so Flacco might get a vote, but uh, I think ultimately, yeah, this is this, this Hamlin number ought to be closer to 400. Yep. No, I agree. And I think with Flacco, who has, he has so much momentum at the moment and is like, it's a cult phenomenon thing. And I think if you put out a poll on Twitter for everyone who has ever commented about comeback player of the year, about who is the comeback player of the year, I think there's a real chance that Joe Flacco would win that poll because of recency bias and this sugar high. But I don't think that makes him the voter's choice for comeback player of the year. And I think that ultimately when it's all said and done, I think Hamlin will win. I think he will win relatively comfortably. I wouldn't say that Flacco is 0% just because we don't have enough of a sample to make those kind of declarations, but I would be pretty stunned ultimately um, if he wins this award and I would have Mayfield favoured over Flacco, but I agree. I think Hamlin is is minimum 75% um, and potentially 80, 85% plus. So uh, I would be surprised uh, if he loses this award. All right, before we get to Texans Colts, don't miss a doubleheader of B10 basketball in the Great Lakes State. This Thursday, the action starts when Penn State takes on Michigan State at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by a nightcap of Minnesota and Michigan at 9 p.m. Both matchups can be found exclusively on Peacock. Last thing on comeback play, I just wanted to add, like, I think a lot of the the Flacco uh, hype and sentiment is based around 
one, kind of people yelling on Twitter, which I don't think is representative <laughs> of vote. And then two, like people who have bet on Joe Flacco to win comeback sure. player of the year, um, which I think is a big element of the discourse these days. All right, Texans, Colts. Texans opened one and a half point dogs at Indianapolis. They are they flipped to one point favorites. Wasn't a great injury report for Indianapolis today. Ryan Kelly, the star center, is in a walking boot. Quentin Nelson didn't practice with an ankle. Braden Smith, who was limping around uh, in the Raiders game, he was a limited participant um, with his knee injury. Expect that he will go. Uh, the Texans had a lot of guys on the injury report too. Noah Brown is apparently doubtful to play, which is kind of a problem given they're already down Tank Dell. Jonathan Greenard, who's been just about their best defensive lineman along with Will Anderson this season, he is in some doubt too. Uh, the total here is 47 and a half. Do you think that the flip to Houston being favorite is warranted? Uh, I, I do, but it's simply because of the cluster injury in the offensive line, which I don't know if, how real it is. Um, I caught, it caught me by surprise. Certainly. I didn't think that we were going to see this severe of an injury report for the Colts. Um, and some of my, I mean, my guess is this is, uh, you know, such a high leverage game. They're going to push through it and these guys are going to play hurt probably. Um, the news on the Texans wide receivers, I think is being a little bit undercovered. Um, yeah, you mentioned it. Noah Brown doubtful. Uh, I, I've heard out. Um, and then similarly, uh, you know, Robert Woods isn't coming back anytime soon, uh, which leaves you with Nico Collins and some question marks beyond that in the wide receiver depth chart. Um, similarly, you have kind of a pretty clear, I think, tendency for where CJ Stroud wants to attack on the field where he's most interested in trying to attack on the field. It doesn't really fit what Dalton Schultz is bringing to the table. Like Dalton Schultz's most effective games felt like they came with Case Keenum under center. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a potential here for the uh, Texans offense to have some hiccups. Um, they're on the road. Uh, the uh, Colts defense is average uh, and at least healthy. Um, and then, yes, the uh, I, I, I was preparing for our show today, kind of intending to make the case for, here's why I bet the Colts. And then I saw the injury report and I didn't bet them. <laughs> so I had said I went and played the under uh, because I think that uh, even if these guys push through injury, um, the pass rush for the Texans is playing well. Uh, they have some, you know, some effective kind of uh, uh, ways of generating pressure. Gardner Minshew is not great under pressure. And if there are, you know, if, if Ryan Kelly, particularly the, the center, if he is uh, not good to go, that's massive. But uh, Smith as well has been playing well for them at tackle. Uh, he definitely matters. Uh, and I think really and truly the, the the grand scheme of this game is you could have a one-dimensional Texans offense because they really can't run the ball effectively uh, with limited weapons going up against the Colts team that is not pass protecting well and really just kind of leaning on the run game, trying to shorten the game a bit. Um, the fact that this is a high leverage game as well and a primetime game and a road game for the Texans, all of it kind of checks every box for me that this could be uh, a lot uh, more of a, a low scoring affair than you know what a fair price would be if this was a totally neutral game. So uh, for me, under 47 and a half was the play. I think that's good to 46 and a half personally. 47 is obviously a key as you could have uh, you know, this game decided by that field goal. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a close call. Uh, and I would expect uh, the under is uh, going to be the only bet I have on this one. Yeah. I think the your point about the Colts and their cluster injuries on the offensive line, I think that is really key because we saw what Gardner Minshew looked like 
for a couple of weeks without Braden Smith when the rookie Blake Freeland was filling in at right tackle and he was just a complete disaster. Uh, and Minshew is under siege, and Minshew under yeah. siege is no good because you need Minshew uh, for him to succeed. He needs to have a perfect um, context as much as possible. Now, I do think Stroud is going to be under siege as well because this Colts D-line has been one of the surprise stories of the season uh, with Samson Ambrikam having a huge year. DeForest Buckner obviously is a star. Quiddy Pays made a leap, uh, and then Grover Stewart coming back as well against the pretty injured uh, and not great overall Texans O-line. So I think that will be one element of the game. Also, I think that Stroud is going to get free for some big plays down the field because these Colts corners, this Colts secondary in general, isn't particularly good. What I would be afraid of if I was on the Colts is that just the nature of the Texans' defense is that they're elite against the run and really poor against the pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means that the game is very likely mm-hmm. going to be in Gardner Minshew's hands, which mm-hmm. is um, somewhat terrifying. So I think that Texans minus one, I don't see any reason why that would be the wrong line given the Colts' injuries currently. Um, last thing on this game, do you think there's any chance that the winner of this game should they win the division the following day if Jacksonville lose the Titans or even if that doesn't happen? Do you think the winner has any chance to us plant Mr. Stefanski as coach of the year? I don't, but I also don't understand uh, 100% how fast things got out of control in the coach of the year market. Like, uh, if it, it, uh, I, I don't know. It feels like right now it's decided. Um, and I don't have any evidence to refute that. Um, and I also don't think that the fact that you would win because the Jaguars are losing and you're not going to have that moment where people are yeah. like, oh, yeah, like you won the division, you get a home game now, like well done. Like if it was the primetime game, like on Sunday, uh, and the Jaguars had already lost, uh, maybe we would, uh, I would be looking at it a little differently. Um, but ultimately, I think, um, <clears throat> this is, um, probably going to be a little bit forgotten in the craziness that is the final day of the season uh, when it's all said and done and you'll get some flowers and some pats on the back and some consolation votes, but I don't think you're winning. Yep. No, I tend to agree. I think that, I think Ryan's has the highest ceiling because the perception of the Texans coming into the year was lower and they're also just a way more fun team than the Colts. Um, I'm, like that's just how it works. People have paid more attention this year to the Texans than the Colts, even though I think the Colts is arguably an even better story because they lost their quarterback for the whole year. Uh, and what Steichen has done uh, is remarkable. But uh, I think that the Texans have the highest ceiling. But the problem is, is that Ryan's got absolutely destroyed by Stefanski like 10 days ago in Houston. Yes, he had a backup quarterback. Stefanski's on his fourth quarterback, so that doesn't uh, that doesn't mitigate anything. So <laughs> I agree. This feels done to me. I wouldn't say that Steichen or Ryan's are like zero percent if they win the division, but relative to the current ten to one prices in the market, I don't think it's particularly appetizing, okay. uh, and it feels somewhat done. All right. Okay. Before we get to Jags Titans, PGA Tour season tees off in Hawaii this week as golf's biggest stars hit the links. In Lahina, it's the Century, and you can watch Thursday through Sunday on NBC, Golf Channel, and Peacock. All right, Jags, Titans, minus five and a half. Jags favored, total is 40 flat. Looks like Trevor Lawrence 
Should be able to go. Not 100% on that, but that is the sense at the moment. Looks like it's probably going to be Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, though it doesn't seem like that is assured either. Uh, do you think the Jags win and cover here to clinch the AFC South? Uh, I don't think they cover. It's a big number. It's probably going to get bigger. I haven't bet it yet because I am hoping to get a six on Tennessee. Um, I have had mixed results the last handful of weeks fading the Jags. Um, it was going great until it wasn't. Uh, and that was really that Panthers uh, let down more than it was even the way I, that you saw the Jags play. I will say that the Jags uh, defense uh finally performed a lot you know you know up to the task um and that had been a long time coming where they just really weren't generating much pressure on top of their uh linebacking core just getting exposed um and i think the titans can game plan with their weapons to move the ball pretty successfully against this jaguars defense i think the jaguars defense is still uh you know broadly overrated like any type of dvoa and epa type of number which tells you they're better than league average i would take strong exception to um, and I think, uh, you know, this is with Ryan Tannehill potentially back, maybe making his final start for the, uh, for the Titans. This is, this could be, you know, a, a decent opportunity for him to put some tape out there that he's still got something to be signed next year. Cause I don't think he's done playing football, but, um, you know, certainly Tannehill and Hopkins are, they have some chemistry. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, the, the Jags. Uh, you know, there's no love lost between these franchises in terms of the Titans just rolling over and playing for a draft choice next year. They're going to try. Uh, the question is, does that matter? <laughs> because the Titans have a miserable O-line. Uh, so the Jags pressure, if it's available, you know, if it, if it manifests, could be, uh, you know, somewhat problematic for Tennessee to deal with. Uh, and uh, the Titans defense right now is a little bit of a skeleton crew. They are currently performing quite poorly. So uh, it could be uh, issues for uh, Titans in the secondary. Uh, although, the weapons here for Jacksonville are starting to get very thin uh, behind Calvin Ridley. We're going to get probably a healthy dose of Parker Washington and Elijah cooks. Uh, I don't know about the health or availability of Zay Jones. I know he was sounded seemed like he was close last week, but then ultimately it was a no with, you know, it was a scratch. So this might be a lot of Etienne, you know, Travis Etienne who looks like he's, you know where he, he's he's wearing um, a, a lot of the fatigue of being you know such a featured part of their offense this season. Uh, no Jamal Agnew now. Uh, Evan Ingram is going to be leaned on pretty heavily, I would imagine. And uh, Trevor Lawrence coming off of a shoulder injury, playing through it. Like I'm, I'm not expecting a full strength Trevor Lawrence. So uh, this number looks inflated to me on the idea that. The Jags are, you know, kind of fixed now that they, you know, thumped the Panthers, but it's a road game for them and it's against a divisional opponent that knows them well. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of examples of, you know, Titans being able to manifest a, a final performance here and give them some some trouble. So I haven't bet it yet because, again, I'm waiting to see uh, confirmation that Lawrence plays. Hopefully this moves to six, maybe even six and a half. Uh, and at that point, I think this is Titans or pass. Yep, I agree with you there. And I think that Tannehill is a market upgrade over Will Levis um, for the purposes of this game. And as someone who needs the Titans to pull this out for some Colts and Texans divisional tickets, uh, I hope that it is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we have the injury report just came out five minutes ago for Texans-Colts. And here are the guys who did not practice for the Houston Texans. 
Will Anderson, Noah Brown, Malik Collins, Jonathan Greenard, Sheldon Rankins. That's their entire defensive line. Laramie Tunsil, <laughs> Robert Woods. Uh, and the line has just flipped to Colts minus one and a half. Yeah. Uh, so in, in rough order, matters a lot. Matters, yeah. matters, matters a lot. Matters, matters a lot. Matters. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not right. Now, a lot of these guys played and finished the game. To be fair, Ryan yeah. Kelly, Braden Smith, Quentin Nelson, they all played the whole game. Yeah, so that's why I, I was just shocked. I suspect we're probably just going to see all of these guys, except for maybe okay. Greenard and Noah Brown. I think those are the two guys we're going to miss, but that's just speculation uh, on my part. But you, in a win, and, win or go home game, when guys finish the previous game, you suspect that they probably are going to play. All right. Before we get to the big one, bragging rights in the AFC East and playoff positioning is on the line when Josh Allen and the Bills travel to South Beach for a battle with Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins. The winner will claim the division crown and the loser must hit the road in the wildcard round of the playoffs. The Bills could be out altogether. Coverage of the Week 18 matchup begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. Bills minus three at the Dolphins. The total is 50 does that total strike you as too high given the way that uh, Buffalo's offense has struggled and the way that Miami's offense is is banged up at the moment? It does, yeah. <clears throat> I think this is, this, again, like <clears throat> I've been playing a lot of Miami unders uh, with mixed results. <laughs> Two weeks ago against Cowboys, wonderful. Last week against the Ravens, not so great. Uh, and yeah, 50 does seem high, particularly because, uh, you know, we mentioned it, the Bills were big winners last week. Dolphins were big losers because it wasn't just the actual kind of one seed slipping through your fingers with that loss. In absolute meaningless portion of the game, Bradley Chubb tears his ACL. Xavier Howard gets hurt, albeit they are now softening their tone in terms of how serious that injury is. So this, you know, vaunted Dolphins defense, which, you know, since uh, the return of Jalen Ramsey against the Patriots was grading at a top three level, maybe top two, maybe top one. Um, they got uh, they got their, uh, you know, what's handed to them yesterday. And it, I mean, uh, on uh, Saturday, Sunday, and it was not 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 impressive, not pretty. Uh, I didn't see the scheme failures of, you know, what Fangio was trying to do uh, being that likely to manifest and uh, you know if you want to hang it entirely on Lamar just having a you know a throwback all-timer uh, and that was what happened then so be it but uh, yeah the the Dolphins defense is, is a tough grade right now with the uh, uh, attrition in terms of healthy bodies um, Dolphins offense also is a huge question mark Tua um, left the game with a shoulder injury at one point uh, not expecting Jalen Waddle to make a return for this one he would maybe you know kind of keep an eye on him for the playoff spot or for their playoff game um and you know the injuries to the offensive lines for the dolphins are fairly well covered um you're kind of running out of healthy bodies to run the offense you want to run uh on top of the fact that the defense just got absolutely eviscerated so um dolphins are in a nasty spot here although they are at home which this time of year definitely matters um and uh, the Bills are now winning with defense, which is insane. Um, you mentioned it. The Bills game against the Patriots was truly bizarre. Uh, they got so many sh- gifted short fields and still were fiddling around in that game to the tune of 
like is this actually going to potentially be an upset like that there was there was no excuse for that game to be competitive and yet it was um so i don't really know what to make of this bills offense you remember when they used to have a player named stefan diggs he was great uh he, he really has made a huge difference uh it doesn't really feel like for whatever reason he's as big of a part of the offense anymore which is confusing to me now if they're keeping him in bubble wrap if they're keeping the uh, you know, the Josh Allen design runs in bubble wrap for the playoffs, then maybe that's something we see in this game that we haven't recently. But um, I don't know. There's some, some very, very strange signs going on with what this Bills offense is actually capable of in terms of a ceiling. Uh, and uh, it's been a number of weeks since we've really seen them uh, put together a, a truly high-octane effort. Um, it's funny, like, Josh Allen had MVP buzz for a bit there. I got why. I understood why. He's anchored as a top three quarterback in the NFL, so he's going to have that buzz when they're winning games. But <clears throat> through the back half of the season, their MVP has been what McDermott has done to coach up the young players on the defensive side, combined with James Cook, who's had a, yep. you know, a breakout under uh, uh, Joe Brady. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, really, really, really strange. Buffalo Bills team to handicap. Um, and I think what I kind of would try to take away from all this is that the market's just not pricing them correctly, right? And I'm not saying like the overall rating is like wildly off, but I do think that directionally it's off and that you shouldn't have like market rating for Buffalo right now is like top two. Market rating for the defense is still kind of borderline top 10. That's probably backwards. I don't know. I don't know if the defense is top two, but they should definitely be higher. Uh, and the off offense shouldn't be anywhere close to, to top two the way they're playing right now. So um, I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. I think that three is fair, and i do not dying to get involved with the side here, even though it's going to be a great game. Uh, you know, feet to the fire, only thing I would uh, realistically consider would be the under 50. It is. I do remember feeling pretty confidently in, in the under at the end of last season when uh, Miami had two games in a row where their offense got punked uh, against the Niners and then against the Chargers, and then they went on third row, third roadie in a row against Buffalo. And I was like, "Man, these guys are going to be gassed. They're they're going to struggle." They, and that game had like sixty five points. So you know these these are these are weird kind of outcomes a lot of the time at the end of the season. And I don't think there are like especially mega locks this week for any stretch of the by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I do think a fair total here is probably around forty seven. So if you want to get involved with this one now, fifty is fine. I don't think you're going to see anything in the injury report for either of these teams that all of a sudden like this goes up right yeah. like there's not going to be a positive surprise of either of these offenses looking great so um yeah this one this one uh could could be like uh yeah uh i would say like 26 23 type of final score yeah i think it's probably not accurate but it feels like the best unit of these four teams uh these the four units at the moment is the buffalo defense which would have ranked fourth for pretty much the entire season but now that they're just healthy, they have Daquan Jones, who finally came back. Epines yeah. is back. Micah Hyde is back. Rasul Douglas, who no one talks about, but he's one of the best corners in the NFL. They just inserted him in halfway through the season. And now I think that, you know, the team that was getting the Joe Burrow was just marching on uh, on Sunday Night Football a couple of months ago, like had the, where the defense just had no chance whatsoever. Now I think it's a, just a legitimately good above-average unit. I don't understand what's happening with the offense for Buffalo at all. I have no idea what happened to Miami's defense. 
against Baltimore where that Baltimore drop back offense had been merely above average all season. And then Lamar puts up 56 on them. Uh, it just didn't make a great deal of sense at all. Uh, so I don't know what to make of the Miami defense. And now they have injuries. There's going to be no Xavier Howard. To your early point, there's going to be no Bradley Chubb. Jalen Phillips is already done for the year. And you know, Tua, who I don't like piling on Tua because he's so – he and Purdy are the two most piled on quarterbacks. And I think Tua's great. I think he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. thought he was terrible against Baltimore. Uh, and some of the decisions he made, some of the balls he let go, he was not good in that game. And now he gets an easier matchup because he's not going up against the Ravens' defense. But still, I would lean Buffalo just with – just the amount of health factors uh, at the moment. I think um, I'm not super confident in their offense covering the minus three, but I'm with you uh, on the total uh, that it should be uh, sub 50. All right, before we get out of here, quick thought, national title game. Not ready to talk emotionally about college football after uh, what Alabama <laughs> did to me uh, and my heart yesterday. Well, not really my heart, more my bank account, which is sometimes correlated with my heart. Uh, Michigan are four-and-a-half-point favorites over Washington, which was stunning to me that that was the line given how Washington – Washington were just ten-and-a-half-point dogs to Oregon two games ago. Yeah. Uh, the total is 55-and-a-half. I thought – because I had an Alabama title ticket, um, which is now worth as much as the the grass that Jalen Milrow tripped over on the fourth and two, uh, fourth and three from the goal line. Uh, I thought that Alabama were going to be touchdown favorites in the game against what if they played Washington. Clearly, that was wrong. Uh, what do you make of the line? What do you make of this Washington team and how their power rating has fluctuated from being three-point favorites home to Oregon to ten-and-a-half-point dogs? Neutral site, Oregon, and now four-and-a-half-point dogs to uh, Michigan. <laughs> I don't know. What is this? I, I, I mean, uh, I think the, the, collect, the term is East Coast bias um, because it's almost like there's an entire um, kind of awakening that, oh, whoa, Penix is good. Whoa, yeah. Ro- Ro- Rome might be wide receiver too. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like all of a sudden people are watching Washington and they're like, whoa, wait, wait a second. But these guys aren't frauds. Um, and you know, I think they they had their biggest game of the season at home against the Oregon Ducks in the regular season, and then after that, kind of went through some growing pains and then peaked again late. And people are just, I think, uh, kind of a little bit too excited about this team considering um, the, you know, the monsters they're up against on the defensive line for the, for the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Holy smokes. Yesterday's outcome was almost entirely in my opinion, decided by the domination of the offensive line at the hands of the Michigan D line. It was unbelievable to watch on a down by down basis. I was at one point like, how is Alabama winning this game? Milrow is getting sacked on every other drop back. Like what is happening? Like this is crazy. And um, that I don't think that was necessarily as big of an indictment on the Alabama offensive line as it was just confirmation that Michigan's D line is for freaking real. And if they get an average performance out of McCarthy and they get, uh, you know, kind of a, um, a better, I guess a more well-coached, a less, mistake ridden uh kind of performance out of their head coach uh then i think michigan can win that one by margin so um i'm with you i was surprised it was four and a half i'm not trying to disrespect washington because they've been a fun watch all season long and i would hope it's a competitive good college you know good final but uh this looks pretty clearly like a bet on michigan to me 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, certainly not the, the sport I'm most well versed in, but I was stunned at this line, the fact that it's, it's so low. Uh, and I agree. I didn't understand what Saban was doing and what Alabama were doing in the first half where the game plan seemed to be, all right, let's go empty and uh, get Jalen Milrow sacked five times and a half. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how that took him a half to adjust that. Let's how about we don't go empty because they're blitzing constantly and they're beating us uh, when they rush four anyway. Uh, so didn't understand that. Didn't like a lot of things at the end of that game. Um, to be fair, some of them were outside of uh, Alabama's control. But uh, yeah, that was a that was an insane game. And uh, yeah, I could not get involved with Washington at this price, even if they have the more trustworthy quarterback. And uh, J.J. McCarthy, is he's an adventure. Uh, yes. I don't think I don't think Harbaugh wants the game or the title in his hands. He really could have thrown the game-losing pick on third and two. I think third and two before the fourth and two, where he just threw it into some arms. Uh, and then the, the tipped pass uh, down the end, that also... I mean, it's a tip ball, so you don't put that on him as much, but... Yeah, I suspect that um, that this is going to be a Blake Corum game. All right, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon.